Hello, and welcome back to The Dreaded Question. I'm Lily Torre, and this week's guest is the absolutely incredible Mara Jill Herman. Mara is truly one of the greatest connectors of humans I've ever encountered. She genuinely loves to meet people and learn about them in a way that makes you feel like you know her incredibly well after only meeting her once. I met Mara through my husband, Colin O'Connor, last week's TDQ guest, and I was immediately impressed by all of the incredible things she does and her uncanny ability to network in a way that is far from icky. Last year, Mara introduced me to Statera Arts, which I've spoken about before on TDQ, and I'm so grateful to be a part of that organization. Therefore, instead of an episode sponsor this week, it seemed appropriate to instead include a brief plug for Statera Arts Mentorship Program. Statera is an organization for female-identifying artists. You'll learn more about Statera in today's episode, but let me tell you a little bit about their mentorship program, because at the time this episode is being released, they are currently accepting applications for Class 2 of their NYC mentorship. They also offer mentorship programs in several other cities, so check out the link below to see if they offer it in your city if you are based outside of New York. I was lucky enough to be paired both as a mentor and a mentee this year. I was paired with a wonderful actor, Emmy, and we met for two hours every month to work on her goals. I'm gonna brag about Emmy for a minute because when I met her just six months ago, she sheepishly told me that she kind of writes, and now, just six months later, she just finished writing a play, which she's hosting a reading of shortly. I was also paired with a wonderful mentor, Christine, who generously took me under her director wing and helped me consider the different paths that I might take as a director. She also presented me with amazing opportunities that were perfectly in alignment with who I am and what I do. On top of that, Satara has hosted numerous events for their mentorship classes, at which I've met a ton of incredibly inspiring female-identifying artists and changemakers. Joining this mentorship program was a highlight of my 2019, and I hope that if you're a female-identifying artist, you'll consider making it a part of your 2020. I'm including a link in the show notes where you can find out more about Statera and the application. Applications are open until February 1st. And now, let's find out what Mara Jill Herman is up to. So, Mara Jill Herman, what are you up to? I am performing and teaching. Those are wonderful things to be up to. That's <laughs> awesome. Tell us more. Okay. Uh, well, I primarily perform with America's Sweethearts. Yes. We are an Andrew Sisters style trio, and we have a residency in Midtown, but we also perform here, there, and everywhere. Yes. So I've got a bunch of dates on the horizon. Typically do about one to three shows with them a month. Awesome. That's and great. Yeah. It keeps me busy keeps me active yeah. and the teaching is also keeping me busy I teach a mixture of group classes and private lessons in the musical theater drama and improv space amazing yeah what age groups do you teach this is a great question I love to teach kids of all ages however right now I'm mostly working with elementary and middle school yeah. although I have one private 
acting student who's an adult in the real world and I'm pretty sure he has a nine to five and then sometimes shoots films and when he gets sides he asks me to help him prep that's so cool I know crazy (laughs) yeah so you you're a teaching artist here in New York and you also do work with young arts yes I'm so glad you asked young arts is uh, one of my favorite organizations. The National Young Arts Foundation is almost 40 years old and they're based in Miami, Florida. Mm -hmm. And they create scholarships and master classes for high school students it's a competition so you have to create an application if you're a visual or literary artist you uh, submit your artwork through a portfolio and if you're a performing artist you submit an audition video and through a very uh intense adjudication process. The organization finds 800 winners or so on the national level. And then they whittle that number down to about 170. And those students get invited to an all expense paid trip to Miami. And they get to train with some of the biggest stars in our industry. Wow. Oscar, Tony, Grammy, Pulitzer Prize winning authors, you name it. These are the kind of mentors that come to inspire the next generation of artists. That's awesome. I love this organization. It makes me so happy. I'm an alum. I'm a proud alum. And uh, it continues to enrich my life in so many ways. And uh, keep a lookout if you're a high school person listening to this podcast great launch pad and network of humans and artists to you know foster growth yeah and you know hearing you speak about a network of artists <laughs> i always think of you as one of the top connectors Aww, of humans. thanks lily you know everyone <laughs> like you're one of those people that i'm like oh do you know blah 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 and you're like yep yep And I I just think of you as someone who's really adept at connecting people. And so I guess the question is, how has networking been a part of your life and and been a part of your artistry? So a lot of people will ask you, when did you get to New York? When did you move to New York? And I always find that's a complicated question to answer because I'm a native New Yorker and I was born on the Upper West Side and I moved to Long Island when I was six. Mm -hmm. So it was always very easy for me to come into the city and see shows or uh, go to a museum and be surrounded by some of the most incredible uh, work that our city has to offer. And then I also went to an incredible summer camp upstate New York called French Woods shout out (laughs) and a lot of those individuals stuck with it it was a performing arts camp and we had that passion from a young age and so I really felt that that was a training ground that helped prepare me for the possibility of majoring in musical theater which is ultimately what I did and then you know 
carrying on with this as a career path. So I think the seeds were truly planted at a young age because I was around so many like-minded people, which isn't everyone's story. And I just feel blessed and fortunate that I had those outlets, but also I was encouraged. Mm -hmm. I had a great support system. Uh, My parents are not actors, but they are patrons of the arts and creative people. So thanks to them and my extended family, uh, there was always that champion and that push to go for my passion and really, you know, try to fulfill my dreams. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so many people are really resistant to the term networking. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a dirty word to some people. It does. It seems, I think icky is like the first word that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because people think of it as a very uh, quid pro quo, you know, I'll do this for you, but what can you do for me type of thing. Mm -hmm. But it's so funny because we're collaborators mm-hmm. you know, theater artists especially mm-hmm. are such collaborators we should be so used to getting to know what other people have to offer and figuring yeah. out how what you have to offer coincides mm-hmm. with that so do you have any of those feelings about networking or how, how do you feel about it because you seem well, to be so great at it thanks i i've never struggled with asking for help mm-hmm. which i think When I was younger, I have instances where I might ask a lot of questions in class. And Mr. Cooper, if you're listening, you were the one who told me I reached my question quota and I had to come for extra help after school. Rude. Rude. But it's okay because I still continue to ask questions. (laughs) And uh, yeah, outreach and networking seem to be a big part of what I'm all about and how I find fulfillment in life. I love bringing people together in a room who share common interests. It makes me very happy. And so uh, I think there are definitely times in my life where you might have that moment at a party or at a social setting where you don't want to feel like you're regurgitating your resume to someone as you're catching up. For sure, I can relate to that feeling. But big fan of this podcast, (laughs) totally relate to the, you know, the feelings of, yeah, I've been binging this show on Netflix, or I have been preparing for my friend's wedding that I'm going to be a bridesmaid in. You know, I think it's important to recognize that networking doesn't strictly have to be a regurgitation of the projects you're working on. Yeah. But there's nothing to be ashamed of for sharing that. It's how you give this information and put it out into the world that puts the ick factor in or takes it completely out. Totally. It's all in the art of the delivery, I think. Absolutely. And I think at networking type events, Actually, I attended a networking event recently through Statera, which we definitely need to unpack a little bit more. But one of the funny things at that event was how often I heard the dreaded question. Oh my gosh, I need the scoop now. 
<laughs> it was so funny. I just, I felt like so many people that I was meeting would just be like, so what are you up to? Uh-huh. And, and you were inside going, wow, you have no idea what you're asking me right now. <laughs> I'm literally like, what a meta question. That's brilliant. I'm up to that very question. That's brilliant. Um, but it, it just made me laugh because it is such a generic, ever-present question. Sure. Do you have a question that you prefer to ask at such oh, events? I don't immediately know the answer to that. I knew you were going to ask me today, so I wanted <laughs> to come prepared. But I might, especially if it's a room full of strangers, I might ask something open-ended like, tell me what's going on with you or tell me what you're working on or mm-hmm. uh, yeah those are the two that come out yeah are popping out of my brain right now I don't really know what I ask yeah I kind of like tell me what you're working on because while it could ignite some of that dread that the dreaded question mm. does if you feel like you're not working on anything because maybe you don't have like an acting you know like a show coming up or anything I think if you really take a second, like we're all working on something, duh. especially, you know, personal development or uh, training to become a yoga teacher or finishing the book on your nightstand. Yeah, exactly. There's so much finishing a show on Netflix. There's so many things that you could be working on. And I think if we stop taking these limiting filters, Mm. if we take off these limiting filters, we Mm -hmm. can feel less dread around any of these sorts of questions. Sure. Um, well, since we already mentioned Sotera, we got to immediately pivot back. Yes. Let's talk about it. Okay. Incredible Let's. organization. I mentioned it at the end of season one that I have been so lucky, thanks to you, to be a part of Sotera and have a mentor and a mentee. Yes. I'm just a world of abundance over yes. here. And you're a regional coordinator for them. Let's talk about Indeed. it. Indeed. get started with them? Thanks for asking. And thank you for being one of us. So I think for your listeners, they might appreciate that as I was becoming more and more of a fangirl of your podcast, (laughs) I immediately thought of reaching out to you to be involved in the program Mm -hmm. as a mentor. And then at the same moment, our wires were getting crossed and you were writing to me saying, I need to get involved in Statera. But I think an email got lost in space. So we had the exact (laughs) same, you know, impetus to collaborate in this organization. So sidebar, what is Statera? Okay, so this is the Latin word for balance. And Statera Arts is a national organization that is a volunteer non-for-profit. Their mission is to uplift, advance, and amplify women in leadership roles in the arts so I'm really behind this mission 1000% I I got involved for a couple of different reasons the backstory is and it actually circles back to young arts which is so incredible I got involved with Statera Arts 
because I knew the executive director. We worked together at the Utah Shakes Festival as fellow actors a long time ago before Statera even existed. And then fast forward to Melinda is the executive director's name. She was on the cover of Actors' Equity's newsletter, Side by Side, Kate Schindel. And I thought, oh my God, gosh, the national impact that they're making is really is getting out there. And this picture was taken at their first conference. And so when I saw that, I really wanted to reconnect with Melinda. And so then I was part of the pilot program in 2016. I became a mentor Mm -hmm. and I mentored someone who didn't even live in New York. Wow. And we did all of our communicating on the phone or FaceTime. And And she uh, was someone who was interested in stage management and acting. So I really appreciated getting to know her. And then two or three years later, I heard rumblings of a New York chapter opening up. So I knew I had to be you know, have a hand in that. Yeah, for sure. So thankfully I got to be one of the regional coordinators. We got off the ground uh, this summer, really. So in June, we put a call out for applications if you wanted to be a mentor or a mentee. And then my team got together and we uh, read through everyone's applications and we paired like-minded individuals. These people who applied included administrators, Administrators and actors and dancers and singers and directors and some musicians. I think it was interesting to point out we didn't have a lot of designers apply and we want to change that. Yeah. And uh, we can change that because this is a six-month commitment. So every right. six months we'll be launching a new uh, mentor-mentee class. Yes. Yeah. Which is so incredible. I mean, women helping women is (laughs) the most beautiful thing in the world. Thank you. And you guys did a phenomenal job matching people up because I love my mentee. I love my mentor. It's been so wonderful. Um, I'll definitely be linking Satara's website (gasps) in the show notes so people can check it out. It's truly incredible. And thank you for participating in both aspects because not everyone realizes that they can be both and we're all always learning. So the same way that you have so much to give to women who are just starting their careers, you're also emerging in other areas of the field. So then you have someone mentoring you. I think that's genius. That's what was so funny about when we reached out to each other. Yeah. You had reached out to me to be a mentor and I was like, I mean, that's cool but like I need help I love it I love it I love it yeah I mean it it couldn't have worked out better it's been such a great experience I can't recommend it enough Yeah, and I should say that the commitment is very small. So even though it's volunteer, if you're interested in being a mentor, we just ask for two hours a month for you to get a coffee or see a show or hang out with your mentee. And it's free for all mentors. And it's $30 for mentees to apply. And any money we earn from the applications just goes right back into our local chapter so that we can 
and have mixers and have events that support our mission. Yeah, and everyone who applies for to be a mentee gets paired with a mentor. Yeah, and we work really, really hard to not force a match. So if right. something were to happen where we had someone who was a visual artist and no applicants presented themselves that matched them, we would go above and beyond to reach outside of the applicant pool and say, we had this really awesome person come to us. So it's not limited to just who applies in that extenuating circumstance because yes, everybody gets matched. Right. That's amazing. I love that so much. And in sort of a... A similar vein, you've also started doing a lot of producing and producing benefits. Thank you. That is true. I started in December of last year. I've always had the spirit to be a producer. Definitely. I hadn't really produced since my high school talent show, which was many moons ago. So you had experience. Yes, Herrick's high. But um, two things really ignited this. Part of it was my participation in America's Sweethearts, which is a female-owned business and being surrounded by so many impressive and driven and generous women really made me own up to something that I knew was in me that I was letting go by the wayside. Yeah. And also the circumstances surrounding my first benefit uh, were unfortunately tragic. It was for uh, the Tree of Life Synagogue where the shooting happened in Pittsburgh last year. And, you know, we go through these moments in life with the angel and devil voice of, should I do this? Should I not do this? Am I qualified? Am I worthy? And then in this case, it took, unfortunately, a terrible event to block out the noise and say, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to produce a benefit. And it was a really incredible night. It took place at the Green Room 42. I had mostly Jewish artists participate. And uh, I was so happy that your husband got to perform that night. Shout out to Colin. (laughs) And yeah, it was a really special occasion. Uh, We raised $5,000 for Tree of Life. And um, someone from that congregation spoke that evening, Samantha Harris. And we had a beautiful talk panel talk between the education director of the Anti-Defamation League Mm -hmm. and a director, Gary John LaRosa, who has been involved in so many iterations of Fiddler on the Roof. Mm -hmm. And I thought bringing those two individuals together would be a really interesting discussion. Yeah. I mean, again, an incredible connector of humans. (laughs) Well, you got to use your resources. And I didn't know Jason, who's the education director at ADL, but a simple Facebook post led to the introduction and he said yes he has a background in theater and has led similar panel talks after theatrical productions so he was really quick to say yes I want to participate that's so great and I loved what you said about you know the the angel and the devil and 
you know, how a lot of people would probably refer to that as some sort of imposter syndrome. Sure. And that as unfortunate as it is, it took such a tragic event to really clear that noise and make you say, no, I have to do this. But I would still say that's really amazing because <laughs> especially in those types of situations, a lot of people feel the, the shock, the despair, the tragedy of it all, but think someone has to do something about this. Mm. Someone out there. Mm-hmm. But so few people think, I have to do something Mm. about this. Or if they do, even fewer people actually do something (laughs) about it. Or I think a lot of us think, oh yeah, like maybe I could, you know, put on a cabaret one night or something, but you know, I probably wouldn't raise that much money and would that really help? But it sounds like on top of the money, like, yeah, you raised $5,000. That's insane and really helpful. But on top of that, you created dialogue and awareness and started conversation and like those difficult conversations Mm -hmm. so the money even if you hadn't gotten that five thousand dollars you still would have made an impact and that's huge oh thank you so much well i've been around artists who are activists for a long time and I definitely consider myself an activist and I'm even thinking of being a young child and discovering a swastika on my playground and telling my parents about it and that lit a fire under them and my dad created the local march for tolerance in my community so these uh, energies have been present in my life yeah. for a while mm-hmm. and you know sometimes you do feel overwhelmed by the news and current events I'm just one person what can I do but the older I get I realize that you just have to go with your gut and follow your impulses and not be so concerned what everybody else thinks yes and just just do just act yeah, I mean, something is better than nothing yeah, for sure yeah. in a lot of ways. And so after that benefit, you have been working on some more projects. Yeah, so that really satisfied an itch. Yes. And it was a very uh, intense six-week process where I remember I didn't sleep a wink. <laughs> but it was incredible and so rewarding. And then... I had a couple months to cool off while I was, you know, gigging with sweethearts and teaching. I shouldn't say cool off. I was hardly cooling (laughs) off. A very active cooling. (laughs) (laughs) I guess what I meant from that was not producing. And then, I don't know, spring, summer came around and I got the itch again and I wanted to produce again. So that coincided with the pairing and the launch of the New York Cetera Mentorship Program. And so I spoke to my team about that and I said, what do you think? And they said, great idea. (laughs) So once they signed off on it, I was able to independently produce this event. And the second benefit concert was called Changemakers, Mm -hmm. a celebration of women and Statera arts. And this was only, this was a female only night. So female music director, female assistant director, full cast of female identifying artists, and then a portion of the proceed 
seeds were donated back to Statera. That's awesome. That's <laughs> Thank so you. great. And again, connecting so many things together, ah. using your newfoundish love of <laughs> producing to benefit the things that you are already working on and believing in. Like that's that's the dream to be able to bring your skills together to help the things that you love and believe in. Is there anything better? Uh, no, there isn't. <laughs> and uh, thank you for saying that. I I just am so truly passionate about this kind of work. And people have been asking me, what's next? And are you thinking about producing in a more full-time capacity? And I don't really have an answer yet. Sure. But I do know that... I definitely want to do another benefit concert next year. Great. And I'm taking suggestions for what the cause should be, but I am also stewing on some other important causes, like done a lot of work with Cycle for Survival, and this is a cancer research organization that's near and dear to my heart. And other friends have said recommended to me something for Planned Parenthood. So oh, yeah. I'm stewing on ideas. Again, on this side of the table, on the more development side of things, before we started recording today, you dropped a bomb on me. <laughs> <laughs> but you are also secretly, but I guess maybe not so secretly, a writer. Secretly to you. Secretly to me. It's crazy to find out that I'm not omniscient. <laughs> um, before I did not know that you write. Yeah. And so we said, okay, okay, put a pin in it and we'll talk about it on the Sure, sure, the time. sure. Well, my mom's a writer and oh. she's a published author and uh, currently works at Publishers Clearinghouse and is so excited to retire because she's working tirelessly on her memoir. Oh my so gosh. go mom. That's so I definitely get the writing gene from her and uh, she still edits everything I write. So <laughs> lucky me. <laughs> Duh. Yeah, I mostly write nonfiction. So a lot of this uh, started with travel writing. So when I was cruising as a performer, I wrote travel blogs for Holland America Line about wow. my firsthand experience. I didn't know that. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I also have written blogs for Young Arts. I started writing for Broadway World when I was touring Japan with Disney on Classic. That's true. Uh, but that was a funny assignment because I was strictly a theatrical reviewer of Japanese productions. Ask me if I speak Japanese. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> oh my gosh, how did you do that? But... I tried to see shows that I knew already, so sure. I wasn't that concerned with following the plot. That makes sense. So what did I see over there? I saw Lion King, Aladdin, dogfight in Japanese, wow. bye, wow. <laughs> and the most moving experience, I saw Fiddler in Japanese, and wow. I cried. I mean, that was such an incredible thing to witness when you have seen so many iterations of Fiddler and then you see it in an entirely different culture. I mean, we can totally talk till the cows come home about, you know, non-traditional casting, but yeah. it was beautiful to see it in another language and by actors that I would never see in the States portraying Tevya and Golda and right. living in Anatevka and my mind was blown. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, that was a great opportunity. And uh, I've written for Onstage Blog, and I currently write for Theater Nerds, and some of my books are over here. Perhaps you're going to leave with one today. I am so curious, would this ever for you translate to something on stage? That's a great question. You know, the first book that I contributed to was called So You Want to Be a Superstar, Mm -hmm. which also ties into my love of educating and uh, mentoring. I wrote that with two friends. I contributed six chapters. And that was more along the lines of a how-to audition guide for students who want to pursue the arts. Right. And so, again, nonfiction. But that, I don't know that that would necessarily turn into to a theatrical piece, but perhaps if I put together the one-woman show that my mom has been begging me to do, then it could turn into a theatrical event. (laughs) That's amazing. It seems like it's the a very clear sort of next step with all of your sure, skills. Like sure, sure. Now you're producing and you write. It all just seems to come together pretty naturally, but that's Aww, thanks. really amazing. Thank you. This other uh, book that I had the honor of contributing to came out in April. It's called Musical Theater Today, mm-hmm. and it's an anthology of artists who do different things in within musical theater. So composers, producers, actors, writers, it's all in there, and it's the wow. third volume. So actually, the first time I submitted, again, I was touring in Japan, and they said um, they really liked my story, but it wasn't a right fit at that time. So I appreciated their feedback. And the next year I submitted about my experience producing the first benefit we talked about. Yes. And they liked the story and published it. Wow, that's incredible. Thank you. My mind is just blown. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't know this. Yeah. I mean I knew I knew about the the Broadway world things that you had written when you were in Japan, but yeah. I didn't realize it was such a big part of your life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I don't want to miss the opportunity to talk about what we refer to as uh, leaving the bennies behind. Oh, yes. I love that this came up. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to miss this opportunity because you are such a great example of someone who had a survival job where they were thriving. Mm, right? hmm you really enjoyed it. Don't let me put words in your mouth, but my sense was that you really enjoyed it. It was bringing you some amazing support. You were making good money. You had benefits. You had stock options. Yeah. Like things were happening. Yeah. And then you decided to leave. Yeah. Thanks for bringing this up. So I had one of the most flexible actor friendly jobs to a degree. Mm-hmm. I worked for Apple retail on and off for four years. And what immediately attracted me to that company was that it was so artist friendly. Anytime I used to go in there as a customer, I felt like I was talking to actors and photographers and people who had similar passions. And it just seemed like I was meant to work there Mm -hmm. and I would still be able to audition and do readings and concerts, which is exactly what I did. And then I started out in the genius bar. Then I had 
the opportunity to switch departments to the sales floor because it was a little more flexible for the things I was doing in my actor life. And I had to resign and reapply twice, actually, because it is very corporate. Yeah. For being the coolest corporate job around where you wear jeans and a T-shirt to work. Right. They only let you come and go as you please to a degree. Right. So when you get shows out of town, there's a limit. Yeah. And so that happened to me. But when I was away for the first time doing All Shook Up, I genuinely missed Apple. (laughs) So I knew I wanted to go back when the show closed, which is what I did. Uh, But it wasn't like my job was just waiting for me and that I could pick up the phone and say, my show closes on the 12th. Can I come back on the 13th? Right. Oh, no. I went through three rounds of interviews to get my job back. The first one was a group interview at the same location, at the same headquarters where I had worked solidly for a year. That's so such a waste of Ooh. everyone. I haven't I told that in a while, and I'm sweating thinking about the uh, PTSD. Yeah. Oh, my God. But it worked out because I wanted to be there. And I made that known in the most respectful way possible. And I got my job back. Same same team. And community is really important to me. And that was part of one of the biggest draws. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the benefits. You know, I was seduced by benefits for the longest time. They're seductive. I was part-time and had every benefit of a full-time employee with the exception of vacation pay. Wow. So I had health insurance. I had sick pay. I had stock options. Other things that I'm forgetting. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my gosh. And so what ended up triggering you to leave? Yeah, the first time was the regional gig. Well, actually, I was doing rent and then all shook up. And that was about eight or ten weeks of of theater that they said, sorry, your limit is three weeks. Oh, okay. And so you get an excused absence for up to a certain limit. And then you have to make a choice. And I chose theater. And I also felt Apple's not going anywhere. Apple's thriving. So I can probably get my job back. And I did. And then I went back and I continued to work there for many years while I was auditioning, doing readings, doing concerts, and then had the opportunity to go to Japan. And that was when I left for good. Wow. And, um... I left some stock options on the table to take that tour, but these are the choices we make when we're faced with artistic decision, financial decision, spiritual decision. And after four years, I felt like it was the right move because I had a great opportunity to perform in a country I'd never been to and sing with the symphony orchestra for the first time and never done anything with Disney before. So, um, Disney music, I should say. So, yeah, that was a wonderful chapter, and I got to do both. Dig into the different parts of my skill set, and I felt like they were all utilized on that tour, and I really appreciated that. Yeah. I mean, that's what you're here for. (laughs) But it's hard to leave... Mm something so stable and something that you 
don't hate. Mm -hmm. Because it seems like you actually really enjoyed working there. Yeah. That learning more about technology and becoming more technologically adept has remained a big part of your life. Yeah, and I will always be grateful to the friends that I made there and the leaders who guided me. Oh, fun fact. I produced and starred in a music video at the Apple Store. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I did. I did. It was a parody of the song Friend Like Me. Uh And I wrote it when the company was really big on everyone using Apple Pay. Uh-huh. So I put nerdy yes. lyrics about why you should use Apple Pay to the tune of Friend Like Me. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, this is bringing up a theme for me. Yes. Throughout this episode. Great. You seem especially adept at taking whatever scenario and circumstance that you're in and seeing what other skill sets you can utilize to contribute to this. Yes. So that's a clear example. Um, When you were away on Disney on Classic and were writing those reviews (laughs) for Broadway World, starting out your producing career and looking for ways for that to benefit Statera. Like, I, I just admire that about you so much. And I'm also curious, especially when there's some level of permission involved on these things, mm. how do you go about that? Well, I guess I don't like to be bored. And yeah. so if I'm in a foreign place mm-hmm. and I'm taking photos anyway, I want to be able to document it in words. And mm-hmm. so that was natural for me when I was in Japan, writing personal blogs, writing the uh, show reviews. But I think I like to go the extra mile because I want to feel like my skills are being recognized and there are times in my life where that hasn't always been the case Mm -hmm. and so I just want to lead with integrity and always say that I gave it my best shot and I recognize that some people like chocolate and some people like vanilla and I'm not going to be everyone's flavor but at least I know that I presented with my best self so that it can help me feel like I'm putting good out into the world. Yeah, and what I love about that is you are very clearly recognizing that you have valuable things to share other than acting, singing, and dancing. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of artists feel resistant Mm. to that. Like, if I... First of all, I think a lot of actors have ended up with this like delusional idea that they don't have anything else to offer which is crazy Hmm. but I also think a lot of people fear that they won't be taken seriously Mm -hmm. if they do a lot of things yeah I understand that fear I'm grappling with that a bit right now not so much the seriously in the theater part because I have a handle on that Mm -hmm. but I do intend to finish a website that I've been building for my uh 
service or business that I've been developing uh-huh. and I haven't finished the website yet and I wonder why it's taking me forever yeah. and some of it has to do with that imposter syndrome that you brought up. Yeah. I took this great course at the Actors Fund called Becoming an Entrepreneur. Shout out Josephine. Listen to your episode. Yes. And uh, we weren't in the same class but I was relating to a lot of what she said and I took this course over a year ago and when I was in the class and had all the accountability and the homework and the peer support I was in my stride and I was having private clients and then when you don't have that class every week and when you don't have that deadline Mm -hmm. it's only you it's really up to the individual to say how much you're going to invest in this new venture. So that's daunting. It can be, yeah. And I uh, related to Apple, my favorite thing about working there was really teaching private lessons. Whenever I had the chance to do that to a person of any age, really, not really kids, but 18 and up, let's say, (laughs) I felt like I knew what my purpose was in that environment. I could feel myself making a difference. So I thought, hmm, what's a pain point? People don't want to come into the Apple store. They want you to fix their issues in the comfort of their home. So I'll do that. And I created this business called Technotherapy NYC, which is designed to create private lessons in someone's home or office to teach them how to use their Apple products. And it's something I genuinely enjoy doing. Yeah. I just have a lot of things that I'm doing. Right. And this is something we were talking about before we started recording today. Mm -hmm. Is you can't do all the things all the time. You can't. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. Striking that balance. I'm learning how to own that more. And I think one of the ways that I will will let this business emerge more is if I find the balance between the amount of group classes I'm taking on and the amount of clients I want to pursue so that I still have time and energy left for a social life, friends, family, dating, all of that. Being a human. Being a human. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely, there are definitely challenges to having so many pursuits and especially on this podcast, I never want to make it seem like it's not, you know, yeah. I'm encouraging people to pursue those parallel interests. And, you know, I do feel a sense of responsibility to paint a accurate picture of what that life mm-hmm, is really like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important to acknowledge things like, yeah, sometimes things fall by the wayside or Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, things like the website get Mm -hmm. neglected for a little bit too long or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. So Mara, would you be willing to share a failure and a success with us? I would love to. (laughs) So the failure goes back to my college years when I started out in um, my freshman year I was studying at CCM and I was cut from the program in the middle of my freshman year so this was a big blow to my ego and my spirit and the other strange thing about that experience is it happens in the middle of the year so the day before you find out 
you're going to school with your peers that you're worthy of. And then the next day, you still have to get up and go to class with them to finish out the rest of the year. So it's a very bizarre limbo to be a part of when you're, you know, rocking out all your confidence and then just indefinitely depressed for the remainder of the school year. That's so awful. It was a rough time, but to quote Kelly Clarkson, what doesn't make you stronger? That is true. And I love Kelly. And I also like to tell this story because I've heard it from other artists who I admire who have had blows at an early point in their career and they thought their life was over or they thought how can I ever get on stage again but then you have to zoom out and realize this is the opinion of just a couple of individuals and they can't rob you of your identity or your truth or what you think your passion or calling is and I ultimately transferred to UArts, which was a beautiful place to train and um, met some of the best teachers and friends who are lifelong. Yeah. And I actually have retained so many good friends from CCM too. So my network Mm -hmm. is twice as big as a result of having that experience of transferring. Yeah. And I just like to tell that story because if you are going for this career, you might end up getting fired from a job for a reason that makes absolutely no sense. And I think that was a necessary life lesson that I had to learn in a really uncomfortable way when I was 18. Yeah. But I did hear this quote from Julie Taymor that I really loved. She said in a panel, scars give you strength. And I thought that was really magical. I couldn't relate to that more. Yeah. That's such great advice about, you know, you have to remember that these are just the opinions of a handful of people. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm you know, aren't the end-all be-all of who's going to make it musical theater. Really, I think that's such great advice. And how about a success? I think a recent success was getting an article published that a bunch of people rejected, and Mm -hmm. it was kind of laying dormant in my hard drive. And then when this new opportunity came about, I pitched it to new eyes and they said yes so that was a good example of you might get a lot of no's but that's pushing you closer to the yes yeah and that one person's opinion is not (laughs) like what we literally just talked about themes 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 that's amazing congratulations thank you i mean part of any experience like that one is just having the faith to know that your work is valuable and you know i think so many people feel like oh well one person didn't like this and so it's garbage and i'm never going to show it to anyone else again and i love that that wasn't your experience and that it led to such a great success well thank you Mira, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. It was my honor. It was our pleasure. (laughs) I am just so amazed by all the things you do and the way you strike the balance that you strike. It truly has been so great. Oh, thanks, Lily. So obviously Mira is the greatest. I'm really struck by the way that Mira allows her endeavors to exist in their seasons and how she takes them as they come. When you're pursuing more than one thing, it's easy to put pressure on yourself to do all the things all the time. 
but it's okay to take some time to focus on the task in front of you. But it's also important to know when it's time to get back to work. Mara's ability to connect people, her why-driven passion for making change in this world, and the way she fearlessly pursues all the things that interest and inspire her are just some of the reasons I admire her so much. I'm going to encourage you one more time to scroll on down to the show notes to apply for this Tatera Arts Mentorship Program if you're a female-identifying artist. And if you have any questions about the program or the process, don't hesitate to reach out. As always, thank you so much for listening, and I hope that if you enjoyed today's episode, you'll share it with someone who might need to hear it, and that you'll rate and review TDQ on iTunes if you haven't already. I'm Lily Torre, and this has been The Dreaded Question.